This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chefs. Hello, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. I'm here with Rahul alone today. Rahul, magic continues, but not necessarily at the strength that we're used to seeing it. A little bit of uh, a worn-off piece there. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Let's talk about the game. I feel good. Yeah, I mean, we can't win them all, right? So uh, as long as we don't lose, which we didn't, uh, and I know we were expecting a tough game going away to Brentford and that's exactly what we got. Kepa was called on a few times. We had our own chances a few times, but ultimately, I think like Potter pointed out, that no team really deserved to win it. So a draw was a fair result. I think you said it right. They say, a wise man once said, if you cannot win, do not lose. I'm not sure who said that, but at least we're not losing games. Let's talk about the starting 11. I cannot tell right from kickoff if it was a back four, if it was a three, if it was... Four three two one. I, I can't figure out his tactics just yet. I mean, as the game goes on, but what did you make of it? And maybe run us through the starting eleven. You, you sound like Thomas Frank asking Graham Potter about changing formations. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I thought it was back three uh, with um, Aspie kind of tucking into into midfield and and Ruben playing out wide. But you you can't know until the game starts, right? So. Um, from, on the looks of it, it looked like a back three, but it, it, we always are able to transition and, and be flexible during games, which is yep. good. Um, my, I mean, I also think that his his hand is a little forced with the mm-hmm. injuries, with just the number of games we have. We, he's got to rotate, rotate and uh, with United coming, I think he had maybe a little bit of an eye on that one. But either way, I think... Kepa played, uh, I think, diver- deservedly so, continues. Aspie, Chalaba, Koulibaly, Kukurea, uh, Loftus-Cheek, Jorginho, Connor Gallagher back in, uh, although we'll talk about uh, his substitution. Kai Havertz, I think, continues mm-hmm. to be getting picked, and I think that's a big point of contention within Chelsea fans. Mason Mount, rightly so, and then Armando Broya for his first Chelsea start, which was a little bit of a surprise, but again, you look around and, and the number of fixtures we got and you're like, I think the kid deserves it and, and it's a good time to give him that start. Yeah, and I think if I'm not mistaken, there were four, maybe five Academy products on the pitch, which is always exciting as a Chelsea fan, but Armando Broja, yeah, absolute curveball there from Graham Potter, but one that I appreciated as a Chelsea fan, I'm sure you did as well. We'll talk a little bit more about his performance later on. Ruben lost his cheek at right wing back. How are you feeling about that, Rahul? I mean, I feel okay. I think he he can do a job, right? And we've seen him do that. I think um, he's consistently getting minutes, which is good to see. A few episodes ago, we spoke about how he can continue to play in this team. Uh, and if it's not in midfield, then he he benefits from Reese James' injury. Not that he, he would want that or... Uh, we want that, but he can do a job and he's definitely got the attributes, physicality, uh, ability to read and understand what needs to be done on the wing. So it's good. I just, it's it's not what you get out of Reese James. So we suffer there a little bit. Yeah, you say he can do the job, but I think we're looking for someone to maybe fill Reese's booth, which I know is is impossible at this point in time. 
but doing the job feels a little lackluster. I think he does okay, but I think you'll see with Graham Potter's side, the formation kind of evolves and Aspilicueta, whether it's a back three or it's a four, he has to step up a little bit more to cover a loss of Sheik in that right wing back position as well. But one of the interesting things you mentioned was the little exchange in the beginning between the managers. I don't know if that's a new thing from the Premier League or whatnot, but a fun little session. And I think you and I were texting. I said, imagine that was Jose Mourinho <laughs> rather than Graham Potter and Thomas Frank, because that could have been a completely different question a completely different <laughs> icy nature Jose Mourinho maybe Austin Wenger standing pitch side I don't know what that would have happened in the beginning of a game right <laughs> yeah that, that fireworks right there um, especially Jose from his first stint at Chelsea where he had a little more arrogance and uh, in the second stint he still had that but I think he he was a little bit nicer if you want to say it that way but yeah I think it's a it's interesting the way they did it, it was mainly I think with Amazon Prime if I'm not wrong mm. Uh, covering the game and they had the manager's pit side ahead of the game uh, which is something we don't see but a good interaction and you could see the admiration the respect between the two managers and uh, something that you don't usually get to see so I, I personally enjoyed it yeah and the question Thomas Frank asked right he asked why does Graham Potter <laughs> change his formation every game he gave an answer which made sense Rahul but Let's open up that discussion really quickly before we move into the game. Why does he change his formation every game? And I'm not asking that in a negative light because we came from Thomas Tuchel, who it doesn't matter if we were winning 100 nail or we were losing 100 nail, that formation was going to be the exact same. So it's a breath of fresh air, but why does he change it every game, in your opinion? I mean, I think it's it's analyzing the opponents. It's analyzing your players, who you have available, who can come in. Uh, and like we've said multiple times with just the number of games you've got going on, uh, sometimes you can't pick the formation of the players you want, and so you've got to go with what's available to you. But I think Potter himself is known for this kind of a mm-hmm. approach to games. Um, when we get into the United uh, preview with our friend Nikesh, we'll talk about you know when he faced Manchester United earlier this season, and he played a completely different formation than when we've seen at Chelsea. So uh, it's good in a way because it keeps the opponent guessing. It keeps us guessing. Um, but as long as the players know exactly what they need to do, I think formations are are merely just a way of fitting in 11 players and, and putting them in the position. Ultimately, as long as everyone does a job, it, it's it's that's all that matters. Yeah, very well said. I think that's the, the most important thing there. As long as they come out and do the business on the pitch, that's really what we care as as Chelsea fans. Let's talk a little bit about the opposition, Rahul, because early on in that game, Chelsea were actually linked with Ivan Tony in the summer as a possible striker. There were numbers of 50 million floated around. We flirted with him. It seemed like he wanted to come. Ultimately, it didn't work out. But in those few minutes, and actually throughout the entire game, you can kind of see he's shaping up to be a very, very good striker. And potentially, you can understand why Chelsea were reportedly very interested in him as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's come. He came in with a decent reputation uh, last season with Brentford, and he's continued that. He's not. You want to say one of the better strikers in the Premier League, mm-hmm. and if for some reason Brentford get into a relegation battle or don't survive in the league, I think he would be one of the first names to be picked up by either a top six club or a club that is pushing and has aspirations to make it a top six. So that's. You got to give kudos to him and and the work that he's put in. He's only 26, so again, a young player, but also getting into prime for a, a striker, which I wouldn't mind seeing. It he kind of reminds me of, dare I say, a Drogba a little bit with, <laughs> with the physicality and 
and some of the finishes that he has. But no, I, I think he's definitely a, a really good player. Yeah, and he's Brentford striker for now, so we're not trying to poach him at this point. It's just nice to admire somebody different. And like you said, there are some top-tier strikers in the Premier League, so it's good to see someone out of Brentford holding their own and actually making a name for themselves. But within that first few minutes, Brentford had a good bunch of opportunities. Surprising to see Conor Gallagher go down in the first 15, 20 minutes. I was worried. I think I texted you saying what exactly happened because I wasn't sure. We now come to find out that he was carrying a bug the whole time. Why did Potter start him then, Rahul, if he wasn't necessarily 100% fit? Uh, I mean, that that's a great question. Yeah. I think uh, I think if there were any indications behind the scenes that he was not fit or had something going on, shouldn't have been picked. I mean, we do have Pulisic, we do have Ziyech that could have come in, or Chupumweka who, who came in eventually. Yep. But either way, I think, and it could be down to Gallagher who says, no, I feel fine. Uh, right. boss I want to play I want to play because and you you kind of get that sense from Gallagher that he's always down to just play and which is great but sometimes you gotta just know your body yeah absolutely I think that's something where I don't think it's a big deal I think it's a very minute thing hopefully and he's going to be back for Man United because that's something in the last few weeks he's really stepped up and shows what he can bring to the team one other person in midfield Rahul I think this is going to be a not not necessarily a controversial topic, but a topic that has divided Chelsea fans in recent times. Kai Havertz was he even on that pitch for the first half. Who? Kai Havertz. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Kai Havertz, man. It's it's two years now. We bought him for big money. He came with the reputation of being a generational talent. It's just, I mean, he keeps getting picked, right? So he's clearly doing something right in training or mm-hmm. or you know taking on the advice from the bosses or coaches but it's just it's just not clicking the effort isn't there the energy isn't there and in that case we've said it multiple times drop the player let him take some time to reflect and think about what's going on bring him into maybe a certain case where you are winning 2-3-0 and the pressure isn't on to do something make something happen and ultimately i think if you're picking on form, Kai Havertz isn't on form. And what is me- what is that message sending to the likes of Pulisic, who, let's be honest, came on and looked very bright and almost should be starting on the weekend just based on the fact that he makes something happen versus yeah. Kai, who just kind of goes through the motions. And I don't know. I, I don't see it. I don't see what, what Potter is seeing, but Potter is definitely seeing something and, and giving him the chances. No, and I think we'll talk, we'll segue into Pulisic now. I know he came on later in the second half, but we'll jump into that. But Kai Havertz, Rahul, he's 23, similar age to Mason Mount, similar formation. But it almost feels like since Kai Havertz has come, we have tried to fit him in wherever we need to. We've moved Mason Mount out to the left. We've played Kai Havertz as a second striker. We've played him as a number nine. We've played him out on the right. We've played him out behind the striker. At some point, you've tried to fit him in everywhere. And don't get me wrong, I think Kai Havertz has had his moments. I remember, aside from the Champions League goal, I remember he carried us in February of last year where he had scored three or four very, very big goals. And so, you know, there's a player in there. Form is the right answer. When is he going to find that consistency that we can pick him week in, week out and not have to worry about, dare I say, playing with 10 men? Because sometimes it is frustrating as a Chelsea fan. Love Kai Havertz. I think he's when he's on the ball and when he's in the motion, he's a good player to watch. When he's not, you, you really scratch your head and you go, where is he? Does he not track back? Does he not close down? Can he not hold up the ball? What is he bringing to this team? So 
very difficult to watch as a Chelsea fan, but I think I agree with you, and I think a lot of Chelsea fans will as well. Give him some time on the bench. Let's see what can happen there, and we'll build up from that. But I'm going to segue straight into Christian Pulisic. Last episode, you, me, Alex, we all talked about it and said, there's no way this man ha- cannot start. He has to be on the pitch. Team lineup comes out. Christian Pulisic is not on the pitch. We're all shaking our head. Armando Broya gets the call ahead of Christian Pulisic. Yes, they play different positions, but ultimately, what does he have to do at this point to get a couple, two, three, four games in the starting lineup to show what he can bring to the team? Again, you're, that, that, it's a great question, and I think this was the game to to start him. If you want to play Mount, which is fair, I think Mount is in good form. Simply have to move Mount into the middle where Kai plays, or whatever the formation is, just put Pulisic on the left wing. And I think for Sterling, who wasn't playing in this game, Pulisic is the natural replacement for mm-hmm. him. And Pulisic seems hungry. I mean, we've had our issues with Pulisic. Let's not get that wrong. We've had issues in, in games where we're like, he isn't doing much. He isn't trying to take players on. But he is doing that now, and he's showing it in the flashes that he gets that he wants to make something happen. And Ultimately, I think he would have come the closest to scoring if we mm-hmm. were to score in this game. Um, and so I think carrying on from the Wolves game where, where he did have a slow start, but he picked it up and scored. I think this was the next natural game to give him a start and maybe see what he can bring. And then if you want to change things around, if we're 1-0 up or it's nil nil, you throw in a Kai Havertz or Ziyech or whoever it is. But I want to say he should be playing on the weekend, but now I look at it and I'm like, Sterling is going to be starting because he is the main left wing player. So I I don't know. It's a tough one. And again, there may be something behind the scenes that we're not, we're not aware of, but he looks fit. He looks ready to go and he looks ready to make an impression. So I would find a way to give him some time. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to read some stats here, Hol, and I'll talk about some players, and we'll decide, you know, discuss the Pulisic situation a little bit more. We had 14 shots overall compared to Brentford's eight. We only had five on target, and Brentford had five on target. So you can tell from there we're not really putting away the opportunities we're creating. Possession-wise, it where it gets really interesting. We had 67% of the ball versus Brentford's 33, but then you look at it and say only five shots on target, and so. As I watched the game and I looked back at it, Brentford are very compact. They're very tight. And so you need a player that can break down that low block, the player that can dribble it through the lines. And I'm looking at the creative players. Gallagher went off injured. Mount is in form but couldn't do it in his own. Kai Havertz was missing. We'll talk about Broha in a minute because I think he deserves some credit here. And then I looked to the bench. Kovacic came on, did okay. Aubameyang, Pulisic, St- Sterling, Hakim Ziyech, and Chukamakana. I hope I said his name right. But you look at it and you say Pulisic is the natural one that will... Hakim Ziyech is not going to go dribble through four or five players and put the ball away. Raheem can do it, but let's be honest as Chelsea fans. In the last three, four games, he's not in form either. And so you've got to wonder what what needs to happen next. I did read an article before recording this that Graham Potter actually does admire Christian Pulisic, which is an interesting thing to hear because the last few managers, Frank Lampard and Thomas Tuchel, have not necessarily played him as a first choice. So hopefully he gets his chance against Man United. I don't know how that's going to play out over the next few days. Maybe Raheem comes back into the mix, but, you know, it is what it is. Let's talk a little bit about Broha now, Rahul. The first half specifically, in my opinion, he showed a lot of speed, a lot of hustle. Maybe he needs some help in the final third to perfect his 
final pass or his final shot. But what did you make of his first ever start as a Chelsea senior player? I, I think I saw what I expected to see it, apart from the goal, obviously. But um, he was involved. He looked hungry. He understood what needed to be done. He made runs driving into the box. He connected with the players in and around him outside the box pretty well. Um, but in some cases, there could have been a little more link play within the box. And then, and I'm being a little critical because it's his first start. It's an away mm-hmm. game. It's a tough game. Um, but I think it was decent. I think a goal would have definitely helped his case. Uh, but Aubameyang did come in, and, and I think Sterling eventually came on too. So um, if you want to look at it just on the fact that did he take an opportunity and, and convert it into a, a push for a starting place, yes, and also no because the goal didn't come. But he's young. He's still finding his way within the squad and, and in Potter's mind. Um, so. I think he'll continue to get the games as we go into the next few weeks and the goals will come. And I think it's good that the pressure isn't on him as the main striker to be providing the goals, uh, which should help him ultimately over the course of the season. Yeah, hopefully. And given these little chances and trust that Graham Potter is putting him, I think it only helps him grow his confidence. We can only hope that from there he's learning from the other guys, specifically Obama Yang, on how to be a number nine. That turn of pace that he showed against Ben Mee was absolutely exciting because I don't think we've had a striker like that. Timo Werner would do it, of course, but we know how that ended. So we're looking for someone who has both the physicality, both the pace. He could be the complete package. Again, we're just speculating here. We don't want to get excited, but uh, good to see him overall. I hope he gets a few more chances here and there, but something to look forward to. And one more youngster, Carney came on, Rahul, for a cameo. He looked decent. I think one thing I find interesting about him is Whenever he gets the ball, he's forward thinking. He's not looking for a side pass or a, a back pass. He's looking to carry the ball forward, which is always good to see in the next generation of attacking midfielders that we're, look, we're looking to bring through. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's got a big frame. He does, yeah. He's a big guy uh, from 19, 19 years old. He doesn't look like his body type doesn't look like he's he's 19, which is good because um, it's going to be tough to knock him off the ball and, and, and in games where we're looking for a goal or looking for something to throw him on and, and just kind of put him within the mix. Um, I think over time, he will end up finding uh, you know more game time as we go into the season, which is good because that's exactly what we bought him and kept him in the first team squad for. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing is he was brought as a youth player, but he's been named on the bench, I think, several times now already right. and he seems to be finding a way to get a few minutes here and there. So the cameo is looking good. The last man I want to talk about before we kind of wrap up this segment is Kepa. Another masterclass from him, Rahul. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. A lot of the saves as well were split reaction saves, which tells me hopefully he's back to his fittest, to his sharpest, to his most focused. I don't know what else I can say about him in the last four or five games. He's been brilliant. Yeah. I mean, man of the match performance again and, uh, he saw what Mendy did at Brentford last season, and he basically matched it because he pulled out some great saves, like you said, and kept a clean sheet. Was it now four in a row, five in a row, yeah. I think? Uh, 300 and something minutes without a goal conceded. So long may it continue, uh, but you, you almost now, as a Chelsea fan, and I, I'm being a little negative, now I'm like, all right, at some point we're going to concede because <laughs> it can't go on forever, but... If it goes on for a couple more games, I'm I'm pretty satisfied. 
Yeah, and hopefully if we do concede, it's how Kefa reacts to it and bounces right, back from it. I right. think that's the most important thing. But overall, I think could have had a win, didn't get a win, didn't get a loss, which is the important thing. But we move on to Manchester United. And so today we'll be welcoming a guest. Nakesh, welcome to the podcast. It's been a while since we've seen you, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been a long, long time. Obviously, I was there for when we first started uh, the Premier Chelsea. Um, but you know, glad to glad to finally get the call up. Um, well, well, after you guys have you know established yourselves, so really, really good to see from you guys. No, listen. Last time was a lot of fun, and when we thought about a Man United fan, we couldn't help but think that we had to call you. And for the listeners. Nikesh is coming in from Australia, so he's brightening the Premier Chelsea over here as well, so we can get everybody there. But Rahul, I'll pass it over to you to get this kicked off for the Man United preview. Yes, sir. Nikesh, welcome back. It's good to see you. Uh, the last time we spoke, we weren't champions of Europe, but since then, we've won a few trophies. Can't say the same about you guys, but we'll we'll start off with the preview here. So United-Chelsea, uh, I think for all three of us, we've grown up watching this fixture title race and, and Champions League finals and uh, semifinals and, and all the big games. And now here we sit, I think, what, fourth, fifth in the table, looking up a little bit, looking up at Arsenal, unfortunately. But um, it's a big game this weekend, I think, coming off of you guys' win this past uh, midweek against Spurs. I think you guys have a little bit of confidence coming into this. There's a whole Ronaldo issue. But let's get started. I'd love to hear your thoughts and in, in more just in, in general, United fans' thoughts on uh, Eric Ten Hag. He's come into a difficult situation, had some changes with new players, new signings. What have you made of him, and, and how do you see this going over, the I guess, the next few weeks and then after the World Cup? Yeah, um, look, <clears throat> I think obviously United have made some large changes structurally as well as, you know, with the direction of where we're going um, in terms of, how the team wants to be and how we want to proceed as a project. So, you know, it's good to, it's good to see that we're actually taking, you know, hints from everywhere else around the world and every other elite club to finally, you know, try to get some, some semblance of, of, of functionality in, in, in our club. Um, you know, I think ETH was, was definitely, in my opinion so far, been a success. Um, you know, obviously it's still early doors. We've had mixed results, but, you know, when you consider the scale of which um, he has to work on and, and you know, the, the club of Man United itself, you know, we're a results-driven business as you guys as Chelsea fans would know more than, more than most. Um, you know, we're a results-based business and, you know, it, it's good to see that, you know, one, we are backing the manager completely. And I know as a fan, obviously, we are, you know, pretty close to 100% positive on ETH. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's good. So far, it's been pretty positive. Um, you know, I like the uh, recruitment that we've had. I like um, some of our football. Obviously, it's not going to be free-flowing, you know, completely understand. But, um, yeah, you know... I, Aside from aside from a couple of blips here and there with, you know, a city side that's could really realistically ravage anyone um in 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 the world almost um when when they want to. Um and and obviously those two results which you know would have been talked about in the media with you guys possibly as well, like you know, those two results were definitely um obviously against Brighton and Brentford. 
Um, but yeah, you know, aside from that, you know, I really can't say anything negative. You know, the team is buying in. He has a very particular style. Is it completely uh, evolved yet? Absolutely not. Um, but I think that's, you know, something that we also like to see in a manager. You know, it's it's more so, you know, there's obviously two types of people or managers that want to come in, either someone who wants to implement their style and their style alone, or a manager who's capable of implementing their style over time, but being pragmatic with the squad that he has. He's inherited an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer squad. Let's, let's be real about it. You know, there's not um, a, a whole lot of technicality in, in, in some of the players. You know, you look at the signings of Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you look at the signings of, you know, even David De Gea and stuff like that. They don't necessarily suit his style, but what is really pleasant to see is that, you know, he's, he's been able to adapt his game um, and his philosophy to match United a little bit more and then start to marry the two over time. You know, you tend to see this in, in, in elite teams. You know, we saw it with Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. His first year was literally just going heavy metal, gung-ho approach um, where they'd score four, you'd score three, or they'd score three and you scored four. So there's no real, like, um, uh, system per se because he didn't have that potential in players but you know they adapted and same with Pep didn't get the results in the first year but then evolved improved and, and stuff like that so it's really good to see yeah no, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because you the first two games like you mentioned against Brighton uh, and Brentford everyone everyone started laughing and, and the banter started right uh, but I think he took those two games as an opportunity to learn more about his squad in game, in real time. Of course, we'd never want to lose 4 0 and be three down, I think it was to Brentford in the first half. But uh, that comes with being in the Premier Four. Oh, there you go. Uh, that comes with being in the Premier League and being uh, at a league that's so fast paced and things can change in a second. Uh, but I think since then, like you mentioned, let's talk about some of the results beat Liverpool, beat Southampton, beat Leicester. Arsenal as, as well, the only loss they've had this season. Uh, and then obviously with the issues or, or the, the delays with the Queen's passing, the next game ended up being City, which, like you mentioned, anybody and every team most likely loses uh, on any day. But then coming back from that, Drew against Newcastle, and I think most recently, like I mentioned, was the Spurs win, which would you say that has been the best performance of, of for Manchester United this season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's pretty pretty easy to say uh, that that was the most complete, at least. You know, maybe in spells we could have been, you know, there, there might have been better scenarios, perhaps, you know, against another team. But honestly, as a match and as individual players and as, you know, manager from literally the ball boys all the way to the manager, it, it's, a, it's a performance, you know, and, and, and that includes the fans at Old Trafford, that includes... Um, you know, everyone involved in, in, in the club. And obviously we'll talk about the one who isn't so much involved, but that's a, a later conversation. But, you know, I think that is by far the most complete performance. And, 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 and to be honest, to sit here today and say that 2-0 was actually a flattering scoreline for Spurs is, is uh, you know, is an achievement in itself. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think there was any chances that Tottenham created I think there was one De Gea save that he had to make that I think even the flag went up for that one as well you know after the fact so you know to say that 
we stopped Harry Kane and Son Heung Min from even creating a goal scoring opportunity. You know, that speaks volumes for, you know, how far we've come from, from Brentford and Brighton um, to today. Nikesh, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about recruitment and bring it back for a few minutes because we as Chelsea fans looked at our recruitment for the summertime. And I think a lot of people would agree that it was a little bit scattergun where we were linked with one player this week, another player the next week, and then out of left wing, we'd sign somebody completely different. And ultimately it worked at some point. And we were following the Man United side of the house, but not as close as we'd like. But it also appeared to be a little scattergun approach over there where we all knew Manchester United lost Paul Pogba. They wanted a really good defensive midfielder and names were thrown around, but nothing really happened until Casemiro came out of left wing, dare I say it, to the last minute. And I know they were chasing the young kid that they got from Ajax, who's looking brilliant, but his name came up very, very early in the transfer window, but the business doesn't get done to the end. What did you make of that? Because I know you said they're supporting the manager they're trying to do there, but as a Man United fan, isn't that something difficult to kind of, you want to get your business done and done early so you can focus on what's to come for the rest of the season? Absolutely. Uh, you know, let me let me first say absolutely. That's that's the gold standard. You know, uh, I think City were done with their transfer window two weeks into the transfer window. They'd signed Holland before the before the transfer yeah. window, and and you know, I think they sold Sterling maybe straight up after the yeah. window opened. You know, that's the gold standard. But you've got to be honest with yourself as a club for the past ten years. You know, I think I think. I can safely say that, you know, this is how it's been for, yeah. for the last 10 years. So, you know, you said it was scattergun for Chelsea. Welcome to United's life yeah. for the past decade. You know, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a far cry from, you know, even for you guys having, you know, Marina sorting out your transfers and, and doing it, you know, in, in, in about 10 minutes versus, um, you know, the Ed Woodwards of the world who, who, who take their time, ponder Joel Glazers who have to, come in with their, you know, final seal of approval, whether they need to or not, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it, it is disappointing. So I, you know, I, I will say that there aren't just all positives, um, you know, whilst we have changed the structure, we've changed the people. You got Richard Arnold in that CEO position. You got John Murto, uh, Murto, sorry, um, in, in, in that director of uh, sort of football technical director sort of position. Um, you know, there was there was definitely some changes. You can definitely see an improvement. Um, so, you know, I just highlight deals for like Terrell Malasia and stuff like yep. that. You know, that's one deal where I, I honestly think United were the most smart they've been in the transfer window for, I, I can say for the last decade almost. You know, it's, it, it's sort of a deal was agreed with someone else. So, you know, no one can jack up the price for that United yep. tax. Um, and, and we just came in, swooped in, signed the kid and and you know he's obviously impressed in his in his couple of games um pulling off a little bit but again it, it it's competition apparently Luke Shaw needs competition yep. otherwise he gets stale and bored you know? so stuff like that you can see an improvement but again yes completely agreed it was a very much a scattergun approach but you know things you get with being one of the biggest clubs in the world which you know I can I can safely say I think you guys would potentially agree as well just in terms of name brands, United are and will always be one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, no, I think you know, as so a Chelsea fan, we have to agree with you because you talk about 10 years of scattergun approach, but they've still managed to bring in the likes of Casemiro and still like to bring Anthony in for 100 million. And so these players are interested in coming. But 
with recruitment that's not just incoming, it's outgoing. And I know this is a Man United-Chelsea game that's coming up, but we got to talk about a name that wanted to leave Man United all summer long. At least that's what was reported. He's now necessarily thinking about leaving for January, but that's Cristiano Ronaldo. The previous game happened. He doesn't get minutes in the game. Reports come out that he walks off early. They come back to, you know, showers. He's gone. He's not there. Rumors coming now. He may be fine. I don't know the whole history. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what's going on there. And ultimately, how do you feel as a fan as to how he's behaving as one of the best footballers, most professional footballers in the world, by the way? How are you feeling about the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, I think uh, it's it's sort of become the curious case of what Ronaldo does now. Um, you know, I, I I still cannot fault the man himself as a player, as uh, as a reference, as a leader. I, I I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that you know he's not good for the dressing room and stuff like that. Like he's you know creating a split and stuff like that. It's just not the right team for the right player. He, he, he offers so, so much to, to any team that he goes to. And, you know, just look at last season when we were really, really struggling. He, he dragged us out of the mud. He brought us to the Europa League. And I know, you know, that might not seem like a lot uh, 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 right now because obviously the gold standard is the Champions League. But, you know, for, for a team like United, where we are and where we were with the rebuild, you know, he was, he was a, a, a breath of fresh air last year. But, you know, as, as we move on, <clears throat> I think that, you know, a couple of things, I think in this team, it, it, it's just not, it's just not right for him. You know, I think, I think he needs to be able to be free of the system and, and sort of have a really ball dominant side almost um, that sort of works to his strengths. Um, but, you know, what I've found in every game that we've played with him, it's sort of um, feed Ronaldo. You know, that's the, that's the modus operandi for, for uh, us when we do that. And, and it just happens that we're just missing opportunities because we're trying to feed Ronaldo and, and we're trying to give him the quality of chances that he needs. And, and look, that's not to say that that's not a good tactic because you give Ronaldo three chances, he might score three goals. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, realistically where we are right now, it's, it's just not necessary. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned it as well, touching on the professionalism. I think if you, if you hear reports around the club, no one has questioned his professionalism up until this latest incident. And, you know, I think, Eric Ten Hag has, 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 done, has done actually really well in, in, in prioritizing the club. So I don't think that happens too, too often, especially with a character like Ronaldo. You know, you, you, see, you often see that, you know, every time that United don't score a chance, every time that United are, are, are lacking up front and you have Ronaldo on the bench, you find pundits always come back and just say, hey, if Ronaldo was there, he would have scored. But realistically, I think most fans, or you know, hopefully, if you're if you're if you're an observant fan, Ronaldo wouldn't be in the situations. You know, those that's the difference. You know, Ronaldo is not going to get in that situation. Like, let's take Newcastle for example. You know, Rashford had a chance in the 92nd minute. Ronaldo's not pressing the ball for us to win it back and then create the chance for Casemiro to put the ball in and and, and do that. If Ronaldo was in the exact same position, would he score? 99% probably. I'm not, yeah, you know, he's a he's 700 goals in his career. 
it's ridiculous to think that he wouldn't score. The thing is, he's not going to get in that position and he's not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I think, as I said, Eric Ten Hag dealt with the situation as best as possible. You know, didn't want to reference it in the media beforehand. Obviously, in the age of Twitter and stuff like that, now everything comes out in the end. But, you know, dealing with that internally, dealing with that separately, finding him, banning him from training, whatever, whatever you want to say it is, is the right decision. I fully back Eric Ten Hag because no player is bigger than the club. I'm sorry, but no player should be bigger than the club. Um, and if you're going to throw a hissy fit and walk out of the stadium and, and supposedly leave the stadium um, before the final whistle is done, I'm sorry, but there's nothing else that nothing else that you can do. Objectively, I think you can say that United play better football without the number. I think it's easy to see, and, and you know, I, I don't know if you guys have caught many or any games this season, but all of the games you can see. We play more fluid. We play less positionally rigid football with Ronaldo out of the team. So it's an unfortunate circumstance, but realistically, I think the right decision has been made with him um, for the moment. I think he can still offer something to the team, that's for sure. But I do think that outgoing transfers are a real issue for United. We need to generate that revenue, one, through there. And two, I think, you know, this was a decision that, maybe, and this is speculation, maybe went over the manager's head. I don't think that he ever, you know, really sort of needed. I wouldn't say wanted because I think every manager in the world, if you had the chance, you would want Ronaldo, but he has to be part of the whole rather than the whole itself. So, you know, that's that's my opinion on it. But that's very well put. And I think Jackie wanted him to come to Chelsea in the summer. Uh, but having seen some of the things, Jackie, that have happened, I think we we dodged a bullet there. Uh, thanks to Tuchel, who took it on himself to eventually lose his job for one of those reasons. But um, Nikesh, I think it's, it's at least for us, we're kind of pleased that Ronaldo misses this game on the weekend because, like you said, uh, throwing him on and putting it and giving him a chance, he finishes those chances. And so, uh, well, let's move on to the game this weekend. And I have a question for both of you. When was the last time either one of these teams won a Premier League game against each other? Nikesh, I'll start with you, because yours was a little more recent than Chelsea's. Was was it? Because I think we've drawn the past few. We've drawn the last four Premier League games. <laughs> Are we just talking in the Premier League? Yeah, well... well for Jackie, I'm going to open it up because we haven't beaten you in the Premier League in a long time. Um, was was that the uh, 4-0 opening day win? It was the same season, but it was the 2-0 at the bridge in February of 2020. Ah, right? yes. Right yes. before the pandemic. Um, Jackie, same question for you, but I'm going to open it up because it's it's not in the Premier League with the most recent one. That we've beat Man United or Man United beat us, right? No, we Chelsea beat Man United. For Nikesh, it was Man United beat us, but for us, I'm talking about Chelsea. Yeah, was it a calling cup or FA Cup from Thomas Tuchel's side? I can't remember exactly when. It was also in 2020, uh, Frank Lampard against Ole in the semi-final of the FA Cup. In, the, in, yeah. In, yeah. in lockdown, we won 3-1. Uh, but our last Premier League win against them, Jackie, 
was in November of 20, 2017. So yeah. it's coming up to five years. There was a Morata goal who's been multiple places after that. Conte was our manager who's come back to the Premier League. So it's it's a long time coming um, and something oh, that wow. I think we need to put right because for a while we would just beat them at the verge all the time, go away and, and most likely lose that game. Um, but let's get started with a combined 11 uh, of some sort, Nikesh. I know we might end up arguing a little bit here, but uh, goalkeepers, De Gea, Kepa, Mendy hasn't been playing, but he is an option. Uh, who would you go for? Look, I mean, I have to just go on previous experience and, and pick that De Gea here, just because I respect that Kepa has been out of this world for the past, I think, what, three games? Uh, where that, that's enough for, for this combined <laughs> <election. laughs> where Where he's made some saves that, honestly, like I've seen some of the highlights of that as well, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're out of this world. So, you know, it's good to see that he has confidence in his game again, but, you know, 500 games for United. How many ever clean sheets? One of United's longest-serving uh, goalkeepers. Probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Still, I would say, um, you know, I've got, I've got to give it to Dehaya. Jackie, do you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think based on history and the amount of seasons and the form, yes. If you ask me, who am I going to pick tomorrow for a specific game? It has to be Kappa because on form, I think he's been absolutely brilliant. But if we're building a combined team based on history and, and longevity, I think David Dehaya has to get it. All right, that's fair. Let's go with the back four uh, since we've got Potter who kind of moves between the two. Who would you go at right back? I know Reese James is injured, so uh, he would be the obvious choice, but we've got Diego Dallo. Uh, Nikesh, I don't know if you have another right back that plays. Uh, and for us, I think we've got Espelicueta. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I think just dynamicism is, 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 is Dallo. Um, I respect that Aspilicueta is 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 one of the greats as well. Um, you know, he's been a stalwart of Chelsea Football Club, but I think as a right back, he's probably just a bit overdue right now. Um, so I think he's probably better off um, if we were having a discussion in in, in that centre back role. But you know, obviously, I would agree with you if Reese James was in the picture, that's a no brainer. It'd be Reese James, but in the current situation, I'm still him Diego Dalla. I don't know if I really agree with that, but Jackie, what do you think? No, I can't pick Dallow. I think he's not been there, done enough of it just yet. And it's, you can say the same thing for Reese James, but Reese James is just something different. He's won a Champions League. He's won a couple of trophies. He's Every time he steps on the pitch, he carries it. But you've got to put some respect on Cesar Aspilicueta. I think he's been there for a long time. And so for me, he gets in there all day. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, can't, I can't necessarily argue with that decision from your perspective <laughs> obviously this is a Chelsea United yeah. <laughs> combined 11 so we're obviously going to have these disputes but yep. um, you know I think as a right back in today's game Azpilicueta doesn't fit the bill anymore um, and that's that's all that's all I'm going off right now if you're mm-hmm. playing a back three he might have a position as one of those three despite actually we have quite a lot of good centre backs to discuss <laughs> anyway but you know in that being said, you know, in a in a system of, of of four at the back, I think he gives you very limited output. But you know, look, I understand Diego Dalot hasn't been 
amazing for a very long time. So you know, I'm happy to go with asteroid weather just for the sake of so moving the uh, moving moving this on. So we're we're going with asteroid weather. Um, on the other side, I'm going to go with Chilwell because I don't think you have really an argument with Shaw. He's been done okay the last few games, but. Or we could do Kukurea. We could pick between two Chelsea players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go with Chilwell. And then center back, I think Thiago Silva has to be there. So that only leaves us with one option, and I'll be okay to give you to pick a United center back there. Look, yeah, okay. Thiago Silva may uh, may be there, but I think there's a bit more of a discussion needed. But anyway, you know, let's, <laughs> let's move on for the sake of the podcast. Um, yeah, look, I think I think it, the the next centre back spot has to go to either Lissandra Martinez or or Rafael Varane. I think I'll probably take Varane just purely based on you know accolades and 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 past experience. But you know, I think um, it's worth giving an honourable mention to to Lissandra Martinez. You know, came in with with everyone doubting him five ten. Um, you know, centre back, you can't compete in the Premier League. You're going to struggle. You're going to do this, and you know, has one of the highest aerial win capability uh win um percentages in, in in the premier league i think still roughly um but also just ball playing wise is 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 an elite performer so you know um definitely an honorable mention to him but uh wrap up all right so that's our back four what are we going with two in midfield or three I'm happy to go with two in the midfield, four, two, three, one. Can be All right, let's, let's do two then. Jackie, I'll start with you. What's your midfield choice for the first one? It's tough. From a Chelsea perspective, I think if N'Golo Kante is fit, he's, there's no way he doesn't get in. From a Chelsea perspective, to play in a pivot, I, I would bring in Kovacic. I think he offers a lot going forward. I think he has a lot of energy. He has a good pass left, right. He can track back. He has a lot of skills. So Kovacic, I think, would slot nicely into that midfield there. I'm not surprised you didn't pick Jorginho. <laughs> um, Nikesh, are you are you agreeing with the Kovacic pick? Yeah, I mean, look, I think to be perfectly honest, right now our midfield does do better things than your midfield um, as a whole. But um, understandably, the the pieces fit in better. I think if Kovacic is there, and obviously my next pick is 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 an obvious one. I think both of you would agree with me with with it being Casemiro. Um, you know, I think that obviously Kovacic and Casemiro would be a, 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 a good tandem. I, I get the Casemiro pick, but I haven't seen enough in, in a United shirt for it to go into. And Rahul, they played together as well in Real Madrid for a little bit. They so, did, they did. Yeah. But I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that just because I don't <laughs> want to drag this on too long. Uh, let's move on to the three in front of them. So what are we starting with? The left wing, we've got Sterling, Rashford... Sancho can play there too. We've got Pulisic on our side. Um, who who's who's making it in this squad, Nikesh? I'll start with you. Um, I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen too too much of, of Raheem, and I think he's probably the only option um, that I would consider over um, you know someone like Rashford or I wouldn't say Sancho so much, but I would probably consider Rashford on on, on that left wing. Um, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take your lead on, on, on Raheem, but, um, I'm, I'm going for Marcus, obviously, um, you know, Mancunian through and through, but, 
Um, you know, I think this season he's he's shown that, you know, he's had uh, something like six goals already, four assists, something like that. So, you know, the numbers speak for itself in that respect. But uh, I think he just offers something that um, is, is very much uh, unique to, to, to himself. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Jackie, I mean, we could make a case for Sterling, but after the first few games, I think he's kind of kind of boiled off. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. And I think what Nikesh is saying about Marcus Rashford, and I don't mean to disrespect, disrespect Raheem Sterling because he's another one who's won so much with Manchester City, but I think Marcus Rashford is, is forward-looking. He's the future. He's the next big thing. So I think Marcus Rashford would slot nicely into the left there. And he always turns up against us. So. He always turns up, yeah. Uh, I think the middle of that three has to be, well, I, I think Nikesh is going to argue for Bruno, but I think Mason Mount on current form, I, I can't look past him. Uh, but we can also slot Mason on the right if we want to fit in Bruno. Um, but I, I don't know if I need him to be winning penalties and scoring them. So <laughs> uh, are we going, what are we going? Mason, Bruno, we've got I, I think I think I think both Mason and Bruno need to be in that midfield together. I think both of them offer the energy, the tenacity. I think you get goals from both of them. So for me, it's a good compromise to get both of them in. I think it'll work really nicely. Yeah, I, I I do I do tend to agree with um with what we're saying. Um, I know that obviously we'd like to argue that you know I don't think Chelsea really have too too much going on on that right wing. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but um, you know I think Anthony obviously had a had a real hot start um, and, and is still providing um, very much necessary uh, width to that United team and and you know offers something that you guys don't necessarily have or potentially did with Ziyech once, but apparently he's, he's, he's not uh, no longer that, that, that wizard that I think you guys once described him to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think that's a fair compromise to have Bruno and Mason Mount because, um, you know, I think Bruno yesterday or you know, the day before when we played Spurs was, um, you know, was magical. Um, and, you know, that, that goal that, uh, you know, I want to add wasn't a penalty. Um, the goal that wasn't a penalty and and was a beautiful slot into the top corner um, was was just to cap off uh, what was I think his best performance and uh, yeah all right I think that's a fair compromise and that leaves us with the forward in the absence of Ronaldo um, and I don't think Marshall is Marshall fit Nikesh Uh, Marshall might get a run Um, I don't know that he's fit to start 90 Okay. Um, but I think he's been he's been training on the turf um, okay. for the past week. But he, yeah, I think it's a another late fitness test situation within okay. the post. So I mean, I think it's Marshall and Aubameyang, and I think I know who I pick between those two. Uh, but Jackie, who are you going with? I just want to say that regardless of all this, if Ronaldo was fit, Ronaldo gets in this team because I have to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's something where it's ridiculous that we can't pick him because he's not available for the match. But <laughs> he, uh, other he did than it that, to himself. He did it to himself. But no, I think you got to go with Aubameyang on current form. I think Martial has the potential, but we've been saying that for years. And unfortunately, it's either inconsistency or injury. So definitely, I would be going with Aubameyang. Yeah, just to add to that, I think obviously... Aubameyang would be the choice in this situation. He's he's a lot more consistent than um, than, than uh, Martial, but you know I think hopefully um, United can get Martial firing. I think this system really really suits him at United, um, but I think he just needs a consistent run of games. He needs that consistent fitness with him as well. 
Um, and and you know, hopefully we see we see that for the rest of the season. But yeah, happy to happy to agree with uh, Aubameyang up top. Yeah, unless you wanna unless you want a rogue pick like Armando. I mean, I think Armando would be would be a, a good choice off the bench, but we're not gonna pick pick bench players here. So I think that's a strong eleven. I think that's an eleven that could compete with most teams, maybe not Man City, but everyone else. Um, let's talk about score predictions and. Before we do that, Nikesh, every big team you beat this season has been at Old Trafford. The only one you faced away was City. I'm not comparing Chelsea to City, but uh, we are on an unbeaten run under Potter. We haven't beaten you at at the bridge in a long time, like I said. So do you, I know you're never going to predict a loss, but do you think you can come away with the win here? I I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game. Um, and honestly, I think we've expended a lot of energy dominating Tottenham the way we did. Um, the Premier League schedule is obviously not not forgiving to any of these players. Um, you know, coming off the back of that running, I think some statistics somewhere, I think it, it said 115 kilometers as a as a, as a team. Um, you know, we're looking at the Brentford loss several months ago now, or you know, a month ago or whatever. Um, that was roughly at like. 96 kilometers or something like that so you know you're looking at 20 kilometers more more intensity more you know passes running sprints so it's going to be hard to 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 repeat that feat um against chelsea um i do think we've been excelling at home as opposed to away um you know it's important obviously to keep that home fortress but again yeah i think i think especially with potter um uh, being a bit of a bogey manager for United. Um, you know, I think if you look, obviously he's beaten us already once this season, technically, um, you know, and, and, and last season we, we had struggles with Brighton as well. Um, you know, I think there's definitely a possibility that we don't come away with anything, but, you know, I think on the back of the last performance, there's, there's, there's definitely a chance that we come to Stamford Bridge and, 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 and get something from, from, from there. You know, I think confidence is, High within the group, I think we're we're starting to gel, but this this will be a tough test. Tottenham always, you know, come to uh, any any anywhere really right now with Conte at the helm and, and and sit back and try to counter and you know that's their technique, that's their form and function. Um, we nullified that well, but it'll be interesting to see a ball dominant side like a like a Graham Potter side um, having a go. So what are you going for a draw or? I'm going to be optimistic. I think we will win 3-1. Wow, 3-1. Jackie, what's uh, what's your thought? Before I, I get that, though, uh, Nikesh mentioned the Brighton game against United earlier this season, which Potter was the manager of. Uh, Brighton back then, they played a 3-3-3-1, uh, something that I don't think we've seen for Chelsea yet, but uh, I don't think he'll be afraid to pull that out again. Uh, and the last time they beat United at the end of last season, I think he played a back three with uh, Kukurea in there. So we may see a similar formation. We may see something completely different. Um, Jackie, we need to get the points here. We're setting a point above United, three behind uh, Spurs with the game in hand. So how do you see this one going? And one more fact before I get that, sorry. Eric Ten Hag has played Chelsea at the bridge before, and it ended 4-4 with his Ajax team back in uh, 2019. Yeah, look, all the points that Nikesh made earlier are actually spot on. I think that 
this is a big game. It's a big test for Graham Potter. I think it's something where we have to see his tactical side of how he does things, how he shapes up against them. A goal's been coming, by the way. Chelsea have looked like they're relying a lot on Kepa, and I hate to say this, but at some point someone has to score. So in that fashion, I think we'll concede a goal, but Chelsea will rise to the occasion. I think it'll be a 2-1. Are we conceding a Marcus Rashford goal? It'll be interesting. He's made our combined 11, so it's possible there. <laughs> that that man turns into prime Ronaldo against us. There you so go. <laughs> I'm not going to be surprised if if that's the case. But I, I also think we come away with the points here. Um, no surprises. But if Jackie's picking 2-1, I'm going to go for a 3-1. And, and hopefully we can we can do this in a little bit of a style and, and put a stamp on, on on this winning or undefeated run that we've had. Uh, but that's that's it for the the game, guys. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game, and I think um, I'll be talking to both of you during the game in in uh, one way or another. Hopefully, it's not a draw because I think that that's kind of been the mo for these games the last few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd like to see a Chelsea win, and I see Nikesh nodding, so I think he agrees. <laughs> uh, but Jackie, any parting thoughts before we wrap it up? No, look, Nikesh, always lovely to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time to come on a different time zone and chat with us and give us the opinions you have. And I think they were brilliant and something that we don't get to see the inside of the Manchester United side. And we don't say this enough, but you did hit it spot on. Growing up, Man United was one of those clubs that have the legendary status, that have the players, that have the the managers that can do it. And so far with Eric Ten Hag, I wish you guys all the best for the season, except for the game this weekend. No, thanks, guys. I I appreciate you you bringing me back onto the pod. Um, you know, I I completely respect what you guys do. Premier Chels is a real good podcast, and you know, obviously, you guys know that I was following you guys real closely up until I just couldn't handle the Chelsea news too too much anymore. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's it's just a pleasure coming on the podcast and discussing football. You know, I think that's all of our passion. So you know, I think it's it's a it's a really fun time to just chat with a couple of Chelsea fans who are amicable about their club and, and where they are, you know. <laughs> some some compliments coming our way. Nikesh, we face each other this week in fantasy as well. So uh, yes, there's we a little do. bit there's a little bit more riding on the weekend. But thanks for coming on. Appreciate the uh, the insights and wishing you all the best for the weekend. Not too much. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers. Uh, YouTube and Instagram and on Twitter it's at Premier Chels uh, and we will be back with a review hopefully a win against United and then we'll be looking forward to the Champions League but until then stay safe and up the Chels. Hey guys the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.